Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, I'm Fazia Costi, and today is a very special show. It's the last show for the year. And um, I have a very special guest today. His name is John Kennedy. He's a neuroplastician and the director of the Mental Performance Institute. He's also an executive brain coach and a number one international best-selling author. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Faza. Excited to be here. Can you hear me? I, I can. Yeah. Thank you. Great to yeah, be here. Yeah. I'm really excited to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm really glad you're here because I, I've seen I've seen your work and you do some wonderful work. Uh, we have some mutual acquaintances and, and right. colleagues, and uh, I, I find what you do fascinating. And I, I do some similar work, but um, I want to talk more about what you do today. I know you have 25 years experience uh, working with a variety of individuals. So before we get started on what it is you do, I'd like to talk more about who who is John Kennedy? Tell us about you. What's your background? Um, you know, t- tell us who you are. Well, yeah, thanks. So basically, uh, I guess as as, um, as one of my clients once said uh, about me, is I, I try to solve the unsolvable. And in the chapter of my book, I actually talk about some of the things I learned actually working in restaurants many years ago, which I love doing. That's where I first learned about the importance of process. And I actually built that into a very successful consulting career, helping companies of all sizes in all industries. I kind of got the reputation as a um, project rescue specialist because typically, you know, companies, they have problems, right? They, their projects are out of whack. They're, they're facing uh, regulatory issues and so forth. And so I would come in, you know, do my project man, uh, magic, I guess. Uh, I'm a big fan of the capability maturity model, which is a way to assess and improve processes and organizations. And so I manage one of the largest Y2K transitions for uh, Motorola. Of course, most of your listeners are probably too young to remember Y2K. But so, you know, Aon, uh, AJ Gallagher, <laughs> a lot of different companies just, you know, really helping them solve their problems until, and to me, it was always a challenge, right? I love the challenge of trying to solve something that uh, other people were struggling with. And then the biggest challenge came to me in 2006 when my brother returned from Iraq and said improvised explosive devices are killing us over there. Now, they're very, very insidious. They kill most of our men and women um, in uniform. You can have a bomb hidden in a pile of garbage in a corner somewhere on a street and a trigger man a mile away uh, with binoculars and a, and a detonator and, and blow up our guys. So I took that on as the newest challenge in my life. I kind of felt it was maybe more meaningful to help save lives as opposed to just making companies more money. And through some connections, I was able to present my idea to a Marine General at a training event out in 29 Palms that I talked my way onto. And it was fascinating to me because the whole purpose of that event was to bring contractors of all sizes, large like Boeing and Honeywell, small guys like me, expose us to as much as possible about IEDs as they could cram into our heads in a long weekend. And then hopefully that someone could come up with some innovative approaches to saving lives. And there were a lot of great things that came out of those that meeting. But for me, the thing that struck me was the guides who led us around were all Marines who had survived IED attacks. And so the consistent difference between getting blown up and not was the guys who were able to, you know, um, anticipate the danger and move a different way all had better intuition. So, so why Marine, two Marines, similar training, similar demographics, one has better intuition. And that's what really struck me. So shaking hands to uh, the base commander, General Doug Stone on the way out, God kind of gave me this vision. What if that was my newest challenge, right? What if I could apply the same type of process improvement work that I was doing for businesses to the brain 
and use neuroplasticity, which is an incredible capability of our brains to change from stimulation as a medium, maybe we can make brains more efficient. And so that's what I've been doing the last, I was back in 2007. So it spread from Marines to snipers to Navy SEALs to pilots, then to the civilian world. And now I'm, I'd be able to work it with both really high performers, professional athletes, executives, salespeople, as well as people really struggling from brain trauma. And the program, what I love about it is everyone I work with, every team or company, there's little differences, right? And so that's where I continue to be able to solve the unsolvable in one sense, but it's all based now on this approach. I think you're breaking up. To changing the brain um, very, very efficiently and very, very fast. You know, I, I love that you help such a diverse um, group. You have such a huge reach and, and it's so impactful. But just so that we're we're all clear about what it is you do, can you define neuroplasticity? Can you tell us what that is exactly and how it works? Yeah, no, um, it's 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 something that really um, two very critical pieces of, of research are what got me into that. Now, neuroplasticity is something it just is. There's a lot of talk about it. There's people base all kinds of programs on neuroplasticity, but that's basically the the brain's ability to change physically. From stimulation, everything we do, everything even that we think, if we repeat it, the brain will change to form ruts in those areas. And so for me, the critical research at the time came from Norman Doidge's book, The Brain That Changes Itself. And that's where I really learned about the power of the brain to change. And in fact, he's the one who coined the term neuroplastician. There's several of us around. I've been able to meet people outside the traditional medical fields, but have developed ways to very quickly change the brain in ways that are very beneficial. And then the other research that was critical to me and what makes my program so unique, in fact, it's the only program of its kind that was vetted and approved by U.S. Special Operations Command, and that is um, discovery out of MIT that found that robust stimulation will change the brain starting immediately. And robust stimulation is when we challenge the brain in the areas of executive function to perform better. At the same time, we challenge the connections of the brain that interface with the real world. So eyes, ears, hands, mouth, feet, everything is integrated with that, which makes the brain work incredibly fast in areas that are critical to real world performance. Unlike a lot of the digital brain training programs, which are very shallow, right? You always do better at the games and the tests and so forth, but very minimal real world or what um, researchers call far effect benefits. Whereas when we use a robust stimulation, it creates very, very incredible real world uh, benefits very quickly. So that's, you know, that just sounds absolutely incredible. Can you talk a little bit specifically about the brain training? Like, um, it, it, let's talk specifically about a client that you might have and how they might have gone through that process of brain training. Yeah, sure. Well, and I've worked with thousands of people now. And, and what I've done, what I've learned is I, because obviously we continue to learn, right? I've been able to apply that what I call applied neuroplasticity to a number of different areas. Now, applied neuroplasticity is, is an agile approach um, using a process-focused uh, methodology coupled with neuroplasticity to make the changes so fast. So we needed to find the areas of the brain we want to change. We apply that robust stimulation. And then through an agile approach, we can continue to make improvements as we go forward. So um, I could talk about any, I mean, I mean, when we're talking about improving those real world performances, one of my clients was a college student with cerebral palsy and struggling in school, but most importantly, he wasn't able to use his hands. And so after just a few weeks working with him, I got a great email from him and he said, hey, John, for the first time in my life, I can open a bottle with a bottle opener and a bag of crackers without crushing them. And then he said, because he's pretty funny guy. He says, you know, pretty useful skills for a college student. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, hey, John, what are you doing to my head? I've, <laughs> I've never had more than one A before. I've got a, a 4.0 average because when we improve the brain's ability to think faster with more focus, it applies everywhere. I've helped people with concussions. I have a professional quarterback I work with who's done tremendously 
Well, um, with the program, um, someone actually we know, um, a, a friend of ours who um, who was struggling with executive function, very, you know, tr- trying to, um, to actually had a new job as a salesperson, really, really struggling with slow processing. And then after, you know, several weeks selling more than he ever had before. So, um, oh, here's here's a kind of a funny story. So it's one of my favorite I like to tell is is when we change the brain to be oh, fat. Oh yeah, I love more, stories. Well, this is like this is one of my favorites. So so it's kind of like putting a faster processor in your computer. You might upgrade your computer because you want your games to go faster or your browser to go faster. But in reality, it improves all the applications in your computer. And so I I, um, I worked with a financial analyst who had just gotten a promotion and was very stressed at work and a little overwhelmed. So I worked with him on a Friday, first session, because again, the brain changes very fast with this kind of stimulation. So I worked with a first session on a Friday. I expected to hear the following week that work was going much better, which I did. But what really surprised me was I got an email from him Monday morning and he said, hey, John, I got to tell you what happened this weekend. I did your exercises Saturday morning I got more done around the house by noon than normally would all weekend. And now my wife says that when she talks to me, I'm focused on her. You already made my home life awesome. I can't wait to get to work. So those are the kind of things that happen when our brains are faster and more focused. Can you give an example of like just one of the exercises that you use uh, just so that people can get an idea of, of what it is you actually do? If somebody was working with you, uh, you know, do you work remotely via Zoom? Do do they come in person? What does the exercise look like? How much time do they have to invest into it? Yeah, good good question. So basically, um, I speak you know with teams and I speak at conferences, workshops, and so forth in person whenever possible. Um, there's just something that's just you know we all know engaging when we're in person. But with COVID now, I do that via via Zoom mostly. But most of my individual clients, I work one on one via Zoom. Um, and the exercises are designed, they basically start very simple. You can't do them on a screen. Again, the digital interface is too shallow to make real world ben- uh, improvements. So basically, we start with symbols on a piece of paper. And when you identify them, you're actually making it, each one represents a decision. And so the very first time people try to do these exercises, and they're very, very simple. Um, I we always time them. We always want a speed of processing metric because speed of processing is very important to our performance. And so we can pretty much improve speed of processing um, a metric in the first, you know, even in our first session by sometimes 15 to 20%. And so each variation actually is a little bit harder. Now, our brains will change as long as they work harder. One of the changes that happens in our brain with robust stimulation is the brain will increase, well, the the technical term is postsynaptic receptors, but all that means is there's more um, neurotransmitters jumping between the synaptic cleft. So basically, we're making layman's terms, we're basically sending more data through the brain in the same amount of time. So that's where the speed comes in and the efficiency comes in and the power comes in. But the very cool thing about our brains, two things, um, and this is why you know, God designed it. I didn't do this. I'm just using this. The brain will change fastest where it's challenged the hardest. So no matter who I work with, whatever their struggles are, that's where they'll get the, the benefits the fastest. And the other thing about our brains is it, they will rewire around damage. So if there's physical damage from Alzheimer's or CTE or concussions or some sort of you know, strokes with this type of training, because we're not trying to fix anything, we're just trying to train the brain to do what it needs to do for peak performance. So when the brain rewires around damage, um, we can get really incredible changes very quickly. And each actually, when I meet with people, each time we meet, we just make it a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder, bringing in more parts of the brain to, to uh, stimulate more connections. And then in between the sessions that I work with them or, or the workshops, they have homework. Now, the homework really is only like five to 10 minutes a day. That's all it takes. 
One of the exercises we learned in the very first mm -hmm. meeting is uh, I call it the speed drill. And basically it's about a minute, right around a minute. And if you run through that for a minute, it's kind of like a very quick neural primer. Your brain is faster focused. Um, and in fact, one of the groups I work with a lot are traders because they have to make very fast, accurate decisions without stress. You know, they have to get in that, that zone, that flow state. And they'll run through the speed drill before they trade. And they find that if they're having trouble focusing with the feed speed drill, they'll do it again until their brain is really fast and focused. Then they're ready to trade. And that applies to anybody. If you're an athlete, if you're a business person, if you're a salesperson, you can use this exercise to get your brain in the optimum condition for whatever's coming next. And would you be willing to share this one uh, speed drill so that my clients understand what it entails? I really can't. If that's the whole what, purpose, it's that got to be an analog, okay. um, you know, interface. So, so as I said, to my clients, I would, I gotcha. would. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but basically, that's what it is. So, to so try to understand that you're making um, decisions that time people. So, if you can imagine, you know, hundred decisions that normally might take you two minutes, you know, to make, you know, after the session you're doing in a minute and a half, then down to a minute, then 30 seconds. Um, it's just about processing that, um, that information very, very quickly while also engaging, you know, eyes, ears, hands, feet, all parts of the brain that connect to the brain. Now I, I actually, you know, I can give you an example. So some of this could be, you know, yeah, that's what I'm looking for as an example so that I can visualize it because I think that really helps for uh, somebody who's not sure what you're talking about. What does this exercise look like? Do you have a piece of paper in front of you? Are you yeah, following instructions? Do you have to physically stand up and do something? No, it's physical. It's it's actually, it's basically symbols on a piece of paper that you print out and use. Very, very simple. Um, it's basically the one we use now is basically a customization of the one we originally developed for the Marine Corps 14 years ago. Now I can give someone, um, I can give your listeners an example of something that's similar that they could try on their own at home. Won't be as powerful, but it will. Sure. That would be fabulous. So, so basically, um, if they, if you take a book, right? So you have a book, you have a page of, of words, read down that page of words. Okay. Like you normally would out loud. Now, when you say something out loud, you activate more parts of the brain. In fact, if you want to remember something, it's actually better to, to read it out loud or say it out loud because your brain will remember better. So read a page of text out loud and then go back and do the same thing. But this time, and the very last word, whatever is there, just substitute a number. So like the first row would be number one, second row would be number two, third would be number three, number four, number five, and then repeat that. So what you're doing now is you have to remember that when you get to the last word, instead of saying the word, you're saying something completely different using a different part of your brain, which is the number. You have to remember where you are because after five, you restart from one and you're training your brain to anticipate that something different is coming. That's the key to intuition. We call it cognitively prime anticipation. So for athletes or dry, whatever, if you can anticipate something that's going to happen before it gets there, it gives you a huge edge. One of my clients a few years ago was an Olympic skier who said she could ski much faster without falling because she could see the snow conditions further out. Now, she's going 100 miles an hour down the hill, right? So, But her ability to anticipate data <laughs> before she needed it was huge. So this is a very simple way to do that with just a book. And then after you do that with the numbers and do it backwards, five, four, three, two, one, five, four, three, two, one. So anytime you have to anticipate something different at the end and remember it and execute on it, it starts to improve that intuition. You can do the same thing with a color. You can read left to right across the book and then put a color there, you know, so red, yellow, green, blue, something that's different at the end. And, you know, it seems very simple. And obviously, after one or two times, it will become easy because that's just an, uh, an example of how fast our brains can change. And if you keep making it harder, your brain will keep sure. working harder to make that happen. Wow, that's that's awesome. And, and how long does somebody typically work with you and, and how many sessions would they normally come work with you for before they see improvement? 
Well, actually, everyone will see improvement after the first session. So sessions are typically 50 minutes. And by the end of that 50 minutes, they themselves experience noticeably faster thinking, better focus. And they start, and obviously your memory too. Memory is a big piece of executive function. So at the end of the first session, we always end with that speed drill so they can continue to practice it. Now I work with two different ways. So people who are really struggling with brain trauma, I typically work with them in sets of five so that they can, um, you know, we want a goal, a meaningful goal they can work for. And then we adjust that typically to whatever they're struggling with mentally. And I've worked with depression and anxiety and um, PTSD and concussions. It doesn't matter what the problem with the brain is. We can work around it and make, make it better. And then I also combine my my sure. you know, 25 years of consulting experience and I do executive brain coaching and that's more of an individualized, it's kind of like an executive coach, but when we add the brain training to it, we get really ex- exceptional results. And that's usually I meet with people like every month. I have some clients I've met with them for, for two or three months and they've gotten to where they need to. I have other clients I work with continue. I mean, we're several now. We just, as long as they get value out of it, I want to keep helping them. And so as long as they keep getting value, um, it's like everything sure. else. You start, it's like, like a physical workout. As you get stronger, you can take on more challenges, right? And then adjust your workout to take on the new challenges so that you're always improving. Yeah, taking things to the next level. I love that. Well, the other thing, too, is that applied neural um, Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome. Um, so the applied neuroplasticity really is the key to everything I do. Um, you know, that was a field I created for the Marines. And either in this segment or the next segment, I can also talk to your listeners about how we can apply that to hacking their habits. If there's habits they want to change, we can, using applied neuroplasticity, we can change habits in less than an hour easily, as opposed to typically they say it takes six weeks or all this kind of I can go into detail. There's all kinds of theories out there. Charles Duhigg's excellent book, The Power of Habit. Um, There's Atomic Habits. A lot of that's about defining why you want to change a habit and, you know, your context and creating an environment that makes it easy. We don't need any of that. Um, Using our approach, uh, and I'll be able to give you some examples, we can change habits literally in less than an hour. Same approach. Yeah, absolutely. I I would love to talk about that the second half of the show. I I think I'd like to talk about setting intentions and uh, changing habits. Uh, You know, with New Year's coming up, uh, people are setting new intentions. They are wanting to have more productivity. And I I think that's a really good topic for the second half of the show. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, your program so if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, say somebody is interested in working with you, um, how, how, would they, um, how would they get in touch with you? And, and what is it that they can expect if they were to work with you? Yeah, excellent question. So, so basically, I've simplified my website, basically just has the con- my contact information. And I really only, I don't work with comfortable people. I work with people who definitely are committed to changing their life. <laughs> and, you know, right. I mean, same as you, right. We want exactly. We want people who want to change. So my website, uh, combat And don't forget the brain. It's not combat training. It's combat brain has my email and a yeah, combat brain training mm-hmm. and a, a QR code that, so um, the best way for people to proceed is actually for us to have to have a face-to-face, you know, I, I, there's a link there for a, for a 30 minute kind of, I call it a peak acceleration consultation. And we, I can talk to them about what, where they want to improve, what parts of their life they want to improve. And we can develop a program to make that happen relatively quickly. And of course, I can Beautiful. always send information. Um, to you. Okay, yeah, and then um, you also have uh, your number one international best-selling book. What is that called? And can you talk just briefly yes. about that? So this has been a great experience for me. The book is called "Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner," 
And the subtitle is Fresh Perspective on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. It's actually a compilation. An awesome publisher, Maggie Mongan, put us together. There's 10 of us. Each one of us, right, has a different chapter on an aspect of business that's critical to success. And I've learned so much from the other authors. And basically, um, by having, you know, 10 different perspectives on how to help you in business, it's not just for the small business owner, it's for anyone in business um, who wants to succeed. It's on Amazon. It's the number one best-selling book. Very excited about that. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I I hope um, you go out and get this uh, wonderful new book. If you're interested in connecting with me, uh, feel free to go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can subscribe to our upcoming magazine, Executive Function Magazine, which launches January 10th. So make sure you get your name on that uh, list before uh, January 10th so that you can get a copy of our magazine. And if you'd like to get in touch with me regarding my coaching, you can get uh, you can send me an email through the website. You can also call me at 480-648-1122. And if you'd like uh, to be part of the magazine, uh, you can send us your articles and we would be happy to take a look at that and see if your uh, article is appropriate for publication for the next um, iteration of the magazine coming out in March. And if you're interested in being on the radio show, you can also email me um, at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. There's my email once again. And if you'd like to advertise on the magazine or uh, the radio show, you can get in touch with me uh, through the website as well. So once again, the website has everything you need in there, including my YouTube channel, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And uh, we really just want to say thank you to all our listeners. Without you, this would not be possible. I hope you all have a fantastic um, end to your 2021 and a fantastic start to 2022. And we'll be back after these messages and we'll talk more to John Kennedy, neuroplastician. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Welcome back. Thank you so much for uh, your time today. Really appreciate you all listening. Today, we have a fabulous guest, John Kennedy. He's a neuroplastician. Um, amazing work that you do, John. So I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So I would really, uh, you know, I, we talked a lot about, you know, what neuroplasticity is and how you work with your clients and, you know, who this benefits and, you know, all that wonderful stuff. And I'd like to spend the second half of the show talking about how neuroplasticity works when we're setting intentions. So many people are getting ready to set intentions for 2022. You know, we've had 2021 has been a rough year for a lot of people. So I think people are just ready uh, to have, you know, great new intentions and, you know, even resolutions, if you want to call them that. How would you um, work with somebody who wants to set new intentions or new habits for 2022? Uh, and that, I actually just worked with a client earlier this morning that we were working on that. Um, the, one of the keys, I think, to honoring your intentions is to believe that you can accomplish it. Um, it you know, we can all have all kinds of, you know, you know hairy goals that are way beyond anything we could possibly accomplish. Now, one of the ways I help my clients is I actually help them accomplish far more than they thought they could. I I call it exceeding their expectations. And so one of the things about an intention that's very important, especially as you're planning for the new year, is to, you know, set your goals. There's all kinds of great information about there about the best way to set your goals. You know, you want a goal for the end of the year. You want a goal for six months, for three months. And then you want a goal for your first week. The first week of the year is huge, right? You want to get your momentum going um, for the rest of the year. And one of the, um, uh, I guess you would call it, um, resolutions I recommend for people is to really design an effective morning routine. Again, there's a lot of great people out there. There's the uh, Miracle Morning is one. You can Google that. Or um, Benjamin Hardy is one of my guys I listen to a lot. Um, He's got some great morning routines. But the hardest thing about any kind of routine is actually making it a habit, right? So, and we talked a little bit about that in the earlier session. So, one of the things that I've learned using the applied neuroplasticity approach I developed for the brain is the same thing works for personal effectiveness as well in the form of habits. Uh, If you think about what we talked about with neuroplasticity, that everything you repeat becomes a deeper rut, that's basically the basis for our habits. Now, neuroscientists have an interesting term for this. They call the zombie system. Now, maybe they like to watch uh, horror movies with our kids, but when we transfer conscious thought (laughs) to an unconscious process, that's a zombie system. And an easy example for most of your listeners to, to, to picture is the first time they learn to drive a car, right? I mean, you've got this two-tongued piece of metal that you have to keep on the road without killing anybody, and it takes all your conscious effort. Now you drive a car without even thinking about it. It's the same amount of mental effort, but our brains have offloaded it to the unconscious. That's what happens with habits. And so one of the examples I use, and maybe some of your listeners can relate to this, is when I speak at workshops and seminars, is one of the habits that especially if you want a new year's resolution and you want a morning routine, you got to get out of bed on time, right? I mean, how many people struggle with getting out of bed on time? And so when I ask, you know, my audience is, you know, what's a habit you'd like to change? (laughs) So many of them will say, get out of bed on time. Well, the problem is now, now that you understand how neuroplasticity and zombie systems work, think about it. How many of you, when the alarm goes off, you reach over and hit the snooze button? And you do it again and again until finally you hop out of bed in a panic and try to get everything done before you get out the door. You might think you're creating a get out of bed on time habit, but you're really creating a hit the snooze button habit, right? That's what we want to change. And so here's a very simple five-step process guaranteed to get you out of bed on time. Now, the first thing you want to do with any um, mental process, whether it's the, the executive function we use for the brain training or it's a habit, you always want to define it first. Defining exactly what you want to happen is very important. So examine that getting out of bed. What, what, what's your normal routine now about getting out of bed when the alarm goes off? Then, I, then write down very specifically these five steps. So you're writing it, right? You're actually putting it on paper as part of the commitment. And there's five simple steps to get out of bed on time. The first one is when the alarm goes off, the first thing you do, number one, you get out of bed. Number two, you turn off the alarm. 
Number three, you make your bed. Anyone familiar with Admiral McRaven who says um, the best thing you can do in the morning is make your bed because <laughs> you start a day by accomplishing something, right? And then you, you can feel good about it for the rest of the day. Right. And you start walking, you know, to the bathroom or to the closet, wherever you're going to go next. And finally, you turn around, look back at your bed, and you congratulate yourself for getting out of bed on time, and you have a made bed. So those are the five steps. Very simple. You write them down. Now, in order to make that a new habit, it's not going to take six weeks. You can probably do this in maybe even 30 minutes. I've had people do this in 30 minutes. The robust stimulation is a critical piece to changing your brain, and that's using as many parts of your body that interface with your brain at the same time. So on a you know nice, comfortable Saturday afternoon when you don't have to get out of bed, climb into bed, wrap the blankets around you, set your alarm for two minutes and get as comfortable as you can. During that two minutes, just kind of rehearse the five steps you're going to do. When the alarm goes off, don't just think about those five steps, but physically do them. Physically get out of bed, turn off the alarm, make the bed, take a walk, turn around and congratulate yourself. Because now you're integrating all the parts of the real world into your habit that you're going to experience when you need it. After you do that, get back in bed, set alarm for two minutes again. Repeat that several times. And what you're going to find after four or five times is you're going to be very relaxed. Your mind is going to anticipate the alarm going off. That anticipation is what actually creates a dopamine release. So you start to feel really good about it. And for probably after five or six times repeating that, it is now your new habit. Guarantee if you do that enough times, um, the next a Monday morning when the alarm goes off, that's what you're going to do. So now that you're out bed on time, now you have a much better um, chance of honoring your intentions for a, mo a morning routine. And you can apply that to all kinds of habits. One of my clients was a tennis player, uh, did actually very well since he's an amateur, started working with him, went from a 2.5 to 3.5 very quickly. One of his habits he wanted to break was he was not looking at the um, ball when he hit the racket, right? He was always looking out there. And if you watch great tennis players, they look at the ball, hit the racket. So I had him do exactly the same approach, went to a backboard and a tennis court, and I had him just hit the ball. Again, he's not in a competition. There's no, no other distractions. Hit the ball against the backboard several hundred times, each time forcing himself to look at the ball, hit the racket, right? So that's the conscious. After a while, it became unconscious. And the next time that he went to play in a match, automatically now he's looking at the ball, hit the racket. So if we use applied neuroplasticity approach, we can change almost anything, whether it's operational processes, personal habits, or mental performance. Well, I want to challenge our listeners to give this process a try. Uh, if, if you have a, uh, an intention of getting up every morning at a specific time, uh, I would love to see you give uh, this, this process a try and, and then maybe shoot us an email and let me know how it works. Tell me how many times you've tried it and, and maybe tell me the outcome. I would love to know how many people actually try this. So once again, the website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And there is a place on the very bottom of my website where you can send me an email. I would love to hear uh, from any of our listeners that actually give this a try. Yeah. And, yeah. And no, again. I really do appreciate this. Yeah, and they can use that as encouragement for their other intentions that they have for the New Year's, right? Again, having the belief that you can accomplish something and anticipating that accomplishment is what releases dopamine and you're going to feel really good about it. And that will help you sustain your new intentions for the new year. So let's, let's talk this through because a lot of my students are in school and, you know, one of their intentions is to get, you know, good grades, uh -huh. Can you use this process for that? Um, yes. Uh, so if it okay, comes, can, and I, I can anticipate how it's going to be done, but I would I'd like for you to tell us. <laughs> well, and there's two things actually. So I work with students as well, and and you know the the exercise we talked about can make a huge difference as far as the mental performance aspect. Uh, one of the pilots I did a couple of years ago was at an inner city high school, so. Kids are struggling from a lot of things, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and so forth. 
And we worked with the, the class, the class of juniors. There was the worst performing class in the school. And over eight weeks of 15, 10 to 15 minutes a day of this practice, three times a week, their ACT scores jumped three full points. Uh, so now they were the highest performing in the school. Behavior issues went down and grades got better. So that's applying you know, uh, applied neuroplasticity to the brain specifically with the exercises. However, I would guess that a lot of the, the kids probably, they struggle with a, a regular um, study habit or study um, routine. So it's just like the adults I work with. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You have to... and, and so for them, it's the same thing, right? They would need to define the, the best study routine for them, right? So they would write down and, and it would be including the time. So maybe when they first come home from school, they go play with their friends, they eat dinner, whatever that is, that's not time to study, right? But when it comes time to study, then you want to use robust stimulation to make that a habit. So that might look like when they first come back from school, the first thing they do is they put their books on their desk. Then they go to do whatever they're going to do. And then when they come back, they'll open up their books or turn on their computer or whatever the routine is that they're going to need to study. They need to define that, the ideal one. And, and in the process of defining your process, you actually will determine the, re the resources you need to make it happen, right? So let's say they're defining, I'm going to write down, I'm going to write, make some notes with my pen. And as they think through that, they realize, wait a minute. Uh, I don't have any pens, right? So then they add to the process, right. make sure I have a pen, right? So that goes right into the process. Once that process is defined, then they need to actually use robust stimulation to make it a habit. So that means, you know, walking into the door, you know, doing everything on their list, using all the parts of their body as possible to the point where they turn on a computer or whatever it is when they're ready to go. They then need to repeat that several times, actually doing it, not just thinking about it. And then that's going to make that habit so much easier for them to get into the right frame of mind in the right um, you know, place for them to start their study. So one of the things that I do when I talk to my clients is I have them do an, a mental walkthrough. I do a visualization yeah. exercise uh, because part of my job is to help people create better habits. And so we do this visualization where we sit down, we visualize every single step that it's going to take to create this new habit. Right. And then maybe we, you know, at that point, then we write down the steps and, and take it to the next level. Do you do a visualization with them as well? Or do you go straight to write, defining what the problem is and then writing everything down? Well, yeah. So, so they would write it and then like same with the bed. So they'd write it first and then visualize it. So what I would suggest for you is after, as they visualize it, just add the robust stimulation to that, right? So yes, definitely visualize it so you oh, know it's okay. in your mind. And the great thing about visualization- I, I think I might give that a try. Although I, I do it with, with some habits and not necessarily with others. Well, the nice thing about visualization is it, it helps you um, eliminate any mistakes before you actually do it, right? So like the thing with the pen. So if you're visualizing, and, I, and I, I do this for some of my, the puzzle work that I do with people to visualize how it goes together before they actually do it. So if you're visualizing exactly as you're leading them through visualization, you know, how to get ready for their studying and they feel any type of discomfort or any kind of stress, it's probably because they're just missing a little bit of information. So kind of the example I gave with a pen, right? So they're visualizing, they're going to go, and they feel like something's not right and they examine it, it might be just that they need a pen, right? Or they need a password or whatever that is that's making them feel, once they get visualized that complete perfect process, then they should try to use robust stimulation and actually walk through it. But that way they found out, and so you know what I'm saying? So, so the visualization is great because anything that they need, they'll find in their head before they actually do it with their body. Then when they do the robust stimulation piece, they're going to do it exactly the same every time. Right. So the, the visualization is basically doing the prep work, just making sure you have everything you need and and making sure you're in the right space and that you have all, oh, you know, everything's it, in right? place before you actually... And walking right before it, right? you do the robust stimulation. Yeah. 
Visual, yeah, visualize yes. it perfectly and then add the robust simulation. Yeah. Yeah, that visualization is very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, um, so uh, I, I love that our clients, our listeners can all change their habits so easily. So we talked about the um, process of, you know, getting up and getting this new morning routine down every day. Mm-hmm. Um, would a more challenging, or for some people that is a very challenging uh, issue, uh, would a more challenging issue like um, getting all A's, for example, take more time to prep for? Yeah, yeah. And so so all A's is is not because for getting all A's, you have to fine-tune your studying. Yeah, and, and well, I that's think, usually what the goal is for my clients, but it really isn't the goal. It's it's the goal is right. to learn to have better habits in their studying. Right, right. So Study once that that comes right. out, yeah. Um, and you know, another another actually a habit that might help them get better studying, do better studying. You know, kids especially have a problem. They look at their phone all the time, right? Even if it's adults, we do, and so. The way we change habits, I mentioned first, is the replacement because you're replacing a bad habit with a good habit. We can also insert a habit, a, a mini habit in front of the main habit. So if they're having trouble, you know, getting through their studying because they're always looking at their phone, they're getting buzzers or so forth. One way to do that, and you know, it's very dangerous actually when kids start to drive, you know, if they're texting and driving is very dangerous. And one of the techniques they say for kids to not do that is to take the pledge, right? So you're sitting in a nice, comfortable area, and I promise I won't text and drive. But what happens when they're driving? The, the, the buzzer goes off. Now, think about that. With what we know about zombie systems, if you are looking at your phone every time that notification goes off, hundreds of times a day, it's almost impossible not to do that when you shouldn't, right? So whether you're studying, driving a car, whatever. So we can insert a habit. And the way we do that is try to count to 10 before you look, right? Notification goes off. If you can count to 10 before you look, and I actually have a grown up, uh, uh, one of my clients who's struggling with the same thing. Count to 10. That gives you a conscious window where you can decide not to look. If it's their friends that are texting them, they can wait 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. The way you you bring in the robust mm-hmm. stimulation is set your phone, you know, for a minute, whatever, for a notification to go off. When the notification goes off, count to 10 before you pick it up and set the notification again. So you can repeat that many, many times, uh, you know, in a few minutes, right? And so now what you're doing is you're training your brain to count to 10 when your notification goes off. Mm-hmm. That way, when you are studying and a notification goes off, you count to 10, you can say, you know what, maybe I better put my phone over somewhere else because you're actually inserting a new zombie system sure. in front of the, the bad. You know, I have another watching. question for you. So sure. when you do this in your setting intentions and you're doing the robust stimulation, do you ever find people reverting back to their old habits, say, like when they go on vacation or they have a two week break? Do they ever revert back to their old habits and have to reset that intention, reset that habit? Well, and that's the nice thing about it, right? Because you've created this new habit, you can control it, right? So if you wake up and you're on vacation, you know, you can get up and enjoy the beach or you can just go back to sleep. You have that choice, but you, but that's a good question. When you get back to the environment that you want that um, habit to be um, active again, then just run, you know, do the same thing. Just reset yourself. Couple couple times getting out of bed on time, and it'll revert back to the the habit that you want. Yeah, I think that's really important to to let people know that you know it's not the habit is not lost uh, when something changes because that's that's the thing that I hear a lot. Well, we went on vacation, and when we came back, I went right back to the old habit. So I think it's really important for people to know that they have control of it and that they can reset that that same habit so that they're back on track when they come back from vacation. Right. Uh, It's really difficult, especially for younger students, like teenagers, you know, they go on vacation uh, two weeks, they're off school and then they come back and they're like, well, you know, while I was, (laughs) you know, off, I slept all day. Right. Well, that's totally fine. In fact, I encourage that, but you do need to practice 
Um, and, and I do this with my students. I have them practice like the week before school starts uh, after summer. I have them go through the visualization. I have them go physically through the whole process. And the ones that don't, the ones that are reluctant, really have a hard time getting back into the right. routine. So this robust stimulation really does, it really does work. Right. I, I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you giving the listeners some very specific things that they can try at home and hopefully they do try them. And, you know, if you're listening and you give this a try, please let us know how it works for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So John Kennedy, neuroplastician, uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Please let us know your book name and how people can get that book. Um, uh, one more time, please. Yeah. The, the name of the book again, Amazon is Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And it's volume four. There's four earlier versions. This is volume five. They can reach me at, you know, john at combatbraintraining.com if they'd like. If you go to the website, combatbraintraining.com, they can set up a free 30-minute They can also go to um, actually another website is mentalperformanceinstitute.org. That's where we do all of our research, and that would be interesting. Okay, so well. you have multiple ways to get a, a hold of. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so if you want to get a hold of John Kennedy, you absolutely have multiple ways to connect with him. Um, he's absolutely fabulous, 25 years experience working with uh, many different individuals. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, talking about what you do helping our clients. And if you're looking to get a hold of me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our upcoming magazine, Executive Function Magazine. It launches January 10th, so it's coming up very soon. Um, don't miss it. We have a fabulous lineup of uh, individuals who've written some great um, articles. So I would love to send you a copy. It's free. It's digital. It's international. So feel free to... Um, Subscribe to that if you'd like to get in touch with me for coaching or um, interested in advertising with the radio show or the magazine. You can also do that through executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And I just really want to say thank you for um, listening throughout this past year. It's been an absolute pleasure being on the radio. And I look forward to um, offering you many more wonderful guests in this coming year, 2022. So happy new year. And um, we'll. Uh, Talk to you all next year. Thank you, <laughs> yeah, John. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.